You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the last Mountain West Wire podcast. We're trouting or trudging along to our season previews. Continuing today. Air Force Falcons, MWWire.com, Facebook, Twitter, all that fun stuff, MWC Wire, Mount West Wire, Jeremy Moss, Matt Kennerly. How's your summer treating you? Do you, you have all 10 fingers and toes after the 4th of July? Yes. Yeah, I let someone else set off the fireworks. I went to a baseball game. Perfect. See, that's what, that's what people should do. There's a, um, here in Utah, multiple wildfires, um, man-made wildfires, so... I just say, I did use some small sparklers and smoke bombs on my kids, like some super small things in a gigantic parking lot, so there's minimal opportunity to start a wildfire. But mm-hmm. can we just leave the professionals doing it and don't worry about anybody else doing fireworks ever again? I'd be I, down with that. Yes, I used to do bottle rockets, roaming candles when I lived in a area where it's not desert, but let's just get rid of fireworks. You know what I mean? Do, I, do you care? No. It's cool to watch, so go to your local MLS game, your minor league baseball game professional baseball game leave it to them right exactly so if you don't like our firework takes i'm sorry that's where i feel about it they're fun but it's you gotta clean up it's messy it's smoky come on who wants to deal with that too thank you for listening to the mountain west wire podcast your home for hot fireworks takes extremely hot pow pow all right (laughs) is that the right fireworks sound sounds yeah good enough (laughs) is that better than my ham take (laughs) yes good all right, so let's get to football here. Air Force football. So if you listen this far to our other previews, first off, if you haven't, go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, basically anywhere you can buy your free podcast, we're there. So we're halfway through. Almost, well, I guess this is the halfway point, talking Air Force football. We've done Utah State, Nevada, Wyoming, Colorado State, New Mexico. And now we're into the Air Force Falcons, and let's just, let's just get going, right? Let's do it. So Air Force, if you um, well, you should know, they are a run-heavy team. Spoiler alert. Sorry, they run a lot. Um, here's the thing. It's funny. If you look at the advanced stats, like where they're projected to be ranked, to where they should finish, like S&P Plus, Football Outsiders, FPI, it's pretty low because they lose a lot of players on their team, returning upperclassmen, graduate, move on to go do the real cool stuff where they fight over overseas or whatever they do to protect in the country. But... I don't care. Air Force could lose all 22 starters. I'd still probably predict them to go to the bowl games next year, at least be close. Yeah, see, that's the interesting thing about the Falcons is because by virtue of their standing as a service academy, some of the things that we talk about don't always apply in the same ways that they they do to other teams. Like when we talk about, you know, having to replace production, you know, that's kind of a, a way of life for Air Force that they're graduating so many people every single season they don't have red shirts like other teams do. Um, you know, they're always bringing in like classes of 50 or 60 guys at a time. And so they, they operate a little bit differently and it always makes them a little bit unpredictable just because, you know, I think back to when we talked about them in the preseason last year, you know, I thought that their offense would be able to kind of carry the defense and, 
in looking back at the way 2017 unfolded, I feel like I could say maybe I was half right because, you know, there was a difference when the offense was clicking. You know, you could see that when they, you know, beat UNLV, when they beat Nevada and Colorado State on the road. And then when the offense wasn't working, the defense had no way of keeping up. You know, they really got kind of shut down at New Mexico, for instance. They got beat pretty handily by Wyoming and Boise State. And so coming into this season, it kind of strikes me as being almost a reset, like almost like a redo of last season, just because once again, on both sides of the ball, they're having to replace a lot of people. So I was looking through our top 50 list, which is currently ongoing at the moment. I was doing a quick look. Did you know Air Force is nowhere on the list at all? I did. There's only, am I correct in this? I'm going through our list now. I'm not sure if I'm accurate or not, but it was Aried Worthman only given one vote by one person. Uh, or an Air Force player. And, I'd have to go back and look at, he might be the only person. He is, because I went through and searched. I'm, I'm going by AFA. I figured Worthman would be the main guy, the quarterback who is going to start. Yeah, he is the only person out of all of our group people who participate in our staff on this voted for an Air Force player was Worthman, and he was put at like what, number 30 by one person. Or excuse me, 28 yeah. by one person. Which, that's, and they can still make a bowl game and still maybe cause trouble to Boise State and possibly beat them. Possibly. Exactly. How much does it, how much does that matter? I think with Air Force, it probably matters a little bit less than with pretty much everybody else in the conference. Exactly. So that's, Let's just start the quarterback really quick because last year Isaiah um, Sanders came in late in the season just for the heck of it, as far as I recall, and he had that huge game versus Utah State, rushed for I think what one two hundred total yards, about a couple touchdowns, and played the Aggies really close in one of the more exciting games all year. But it's going to be worse than starting quarterback. And what you need to know, there's a, it's obviously it's stupid, dumb to say, oh, they're just going to run the ball cr- crazy. Yes. Worthman only threw the ball 109 times, but he had 10 touchdowns. So he basically had a touchdown every 11 attempts, which basically converts to 54 completions to 100, or excuse me, 110 touchdowns. So every fifth pass is almost a touchdown pass, which is pretty efficient for an Air Force quarterback. Four picks is whatever, not great. He's below 50% passing rate, but what do you, what do you expect the Air Force quarterback to pass for, Matt? 55%? I mean, I think as long as you can crack 50% for the kind of offense that this, this you know, team runs, you know, they're not necessarily about efficiency. They're all about hitting the home run. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just to clarify what you said a minute ago, Worthman did miss the last two games. I think it was the last two games because of injuries last year. And he actually gave way to Nate Romine before Romine got hurt oh, too. And right. he gave way to Sanders. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on the one hand, it helps that they know that they have two guys that can carry the load if need be. It seems to be like that's been kind of the recent track record for these Falcons teams is that they've needed two guys to be ready to kind of carry the offense, to lead the offense. What I'm interested in is how much of a workload he's going to carry as a runner. Because last year, and this is something that Bill Bill Connolly pointed out in his own preview of this team if you compare what Worthman and Sanders did combined last year they ran the ball 270 times as quarterbacks and you know the year before that I'm trying to look up what the number was I think it was actually I'll just give you the percentage that that Bill C came up with in 2016 29 percent of the carries were by quarterbacks 
in 2017, it was 38%. Hmm. And that may not seem like much, but, you know, Worthman saw his numbers kind of take a little bit of a hit because of it. Like his per carry average dropped, I think, by about a yard. He was at 4.6 last year, which, you know, not bad. But I think that you expect him to be above five yards carry kind of directing this offense. But more importantly, his opportunity rate, which is the more or less the rate at which a runner kind of gets to the second level to get at least five yards that dropped to 39% down from, I'm trying to look, he was at 46% in 2016. So, I mean, it may not seem like the drop-offs were that much, but for a team that really thrives on being able to move the chains consistently and, you know, to be able to, take shots down the field because of the fact that they're kind of setting opponents up to expect the run, you know, Worthman is probably not going to be able to handle that kind of workload, that running workload two years in a row. If this team wants to be more competitive than it was last year. It's true. And, and here's the thing too, what like it's a home run threat. They had Jalen Robinette. They've had guys in the past who can just chuck it downfield and get those uh, big plays. What? Cause yeah, he threw what Worthman threw. He had what eleven hundred yards. He had a pretty good like yards per attempt rate, eight eight over eight, eight yards. I don't see his uh, completion rate, but they they throw down field a little bit. That's what they want to do. But here's the thing about that, which could help them out. Which like you said, you mentioned the rushing numbers. They quarterback percentage had. They had three guys, which is not a shock, who got twenty yards per carry. I mean, excuse me, not twenty yards per carry, twenty yards per catch. However. One of the guys had like nine catches or ten catches. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's going to be there. It's just I think they need a little bit more of that, right? And I think that might be the case because they lose most of their running backs from last year. Like Tim McVay's gone, Jacob Stafford's gone. Their most returning guy, productive guy, is a fullback, which is fine in this offense. But they need some sort of tailback to kind of zig and zag because you can't do the fullback dive every time. You got to have guys who get to the outside, and that could be. Like I said, maybe, uh, well, not Wilson, sorry, he's a fullback. Like, maybe give Ronald Cleveland a few extra carries. He had 50 rushes last year wide out, but it's going to be interesting. He's going to come up. Fullback's fine. Tailback is where their biggest. You, I say it's a big concern, but we know it's not really. We just don't know the name of who that guy's going to be, right? I mean, yes and no, because they do have Nolan Erickson coming back. He saw a little bit of playing time last year. And I think that for this, you know, small sample size applies, but, you know, he ran, you know, 5.7 yards per carry, only 40 carries. But I still think that's kind of what you would expect to see from whoever is running from that position. Mm -hmm. To me, the bigger question is who's going to be behind him. And I think right now that guy is Malik Miller, who, if I'm not mistaken, he was a I think he was a three star recruit a couple of years ago or, or maybe a few years ago. But, you know, those were the two guys who were listed on the depth chart in their spring prospectus. And so I kind of expect those two guys to take a lot of pressure off of Worthman in the long run. Well, yeah, uh, yeah it makes sense. I'm trying to see where it came from. I find a Malik Miller who went to Auburn, but I don't think that's him. I don't think so. Because no. it's a different hometown. But, again, like, yes, we do know who it's going to be, but it's it could be him. He only played three games last year. Didn't do a ton, but... The running game, honestly, the running game is going to be fine because what it comes down to is who's blocking up front. And, well, maybe I'm not so accurate on that because it was half their offensive line or four of their five starters. Uh, like, 
we know they're going to be okay, but here's the thing. Like you mentioned, they bring in 50 recruiting size worth of players, 50 players. Mm-hmm. They do JV football. They are very disciplined. So they're just because they're not redshirting guys who may have never played. Like if you look at like, uh, if you look at the depth chart, like receiving, it's all juniors and seniors, a couple sophomores, their offensive mm-hmm. line, everybody back is junior or senior. And interesting thing, I know this 2D is probably not correct. I don't have the official one in front of me. The only list five offensive linemen coming back. I know that's not correct. But all these guys, yes, they've had no games played or, or excuse me, no career starts or anything. Oh, maybe I'm looking at the wrong year, perhaps. Uh, let me fix that. That would be why. Um, <laughs> maybe that's why my number, I'm going a little wacky here. But um, no, I got the right one. Never mind. I'm thinking of something else. But basically, my thing is like, yeah, they lose half their offensive line. That does stink in comparison because if you don't have all these talented players back or at least experienced back, it's going to be something where there's going to be a guy to step up, but it's still going to take some time. And their schedule helps them out a little bit with that for who they open up against. But, man, losing that many starters on the offensive line, that many starts as well, that's going to be difficult for the running game to just to be top 10 nationally, top 5 nationally, what they typically are. I mean, one one guy I'm very interested in seeing how much of a role he can work himself into. He's not listed on the depth chart anywhere. But Cade Remsburg was their number one recruit in the 2017 class. He's a sophomore coming into this fall. He was a three-star guy out of Kansas, surprisingly. And I think he's probably, if I had to take a yes, he's probably third or fourth on the depth chart. But, I mean, we've seen Air Force use three or four guys out of that tailback position before. Mm-hmm. And he strikes me as very Tim McVeigh-esque, you know, because McVeigh was a guy who, not the biggest guy in the world, I think he was only 5'9", 190, but Remsburg is listed, I think, at 5'9", 185. And so maybe he can be the kind of home run threat where, you know, if the guys ahead of him are getting it done, you know, if he's a guy that's ready to take on that kind of responsibility, why not? As for the offensive line, you know, again, I'm just not sure how much it matters that they're having to replace so many guys because, you know, they had a lot they have a lot of guys who are stepping in who did see some playing time last year. Like, you know, Scott Haddock, for instance, I think played in di- 10 different games. He's probably going to take over at left tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Stone Miller, the other guy, I think he saw well, actually, he didn't play at all last year. I might be thinking of someone else. But, you know, the guys that they have coming in, you know, Griffin Landrum, he's, you know, a senior, but he had a full year of starts under his belt last year. Um, you know, so, you know, even though some of these guys didn't play last year along the line, Christian Frost, you know, um, you know Wolfgang Reebok, I'm just not sure how much of a difference it makes just because we kind of know what the offensive line is trained to do. They've never been particularly great at pass blocking, you know, just going back to Worthen for a moment, he had a sack rate of nearly 13% last year. And, you know, if they can prove upon that a little bit, that would be a, a huge deal, but it's not like the most important thing, if that makes sense. To me, the most important thing is, you know, can they keep these guys healthy? Because I think they used eight different combinations of starters along the line last year. So if they can keep them healthy, if they can get keep the offense on schedule, if they can, you know, cut block because they seem to do that pretty much every play anyway. Exactly. Yeah. You know, even though they're replacing so many guys, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. It's not. But I think a little bit. Like we don't need to hound over the offensive line and go over back and forth. But I don't, like I said before, they're probably going to be fine. 
And their schedule, like, we'll get to the schedule obviously later on, but like they open up against FCS team, they'll be fine. They play, but then they go like four out of the first month from September. They play two conference games and they have Navy in the first fight. Like they're gonna have to learn quickly in that Stony Brook game because that's helpful. But at Florida Atlantic, they have a pretty good offense. They're an up and coming team. They quite very well have Conference USA at Utah State, Nevada, Navy at San Diego State. Like they play all these really good teams. That have that are good at well, really good to relative term, but you know, I mean, they'll have aspects of where they're not any type of gimme games for Air Force at all outside of Stony Brook. Mm-hmm. And so they're gonna have to find guys ready. And like I said, they'll probably be fine. What it might be, they may not just be great like they typically are, typically are on the running attack. Like we know it's gonna be okay, but it's just one of those things where any give me any team that's even if you have the top recruiting class every year, like even Alabama, it may take a minute to get a certain position group gone if at least four of their five starters. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we talk about, you know, numbers where even the slightest difference can have a significant impact. One number that I think is very critical for the Falcons is stuff rate. And I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this on past podcasts, but for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, it's another Bill C metric where it's basically the percentage of plays that are stuffed at or behind the line of scrimmage. In 2015, they were fourth in the country on offense and stuff rate. In 2016, they were second. And last year, they were 13th. And that may not seem like it's a huge difference. But, you know, this is a team that wants to be in the top 10, in the top 5, to be able to keep pushing forward. And even that slight difference can have a kind of a cascading impact on, you know, because if the offense can't stay on the field, that puts a lot of pressure on a defense with even more questions this time around. And if the defense is, you know, prone to the same weaknesses that it's been in past years, that's going to add up to a lot of trouble for a team that, you know, wants to be on schedule, wants to have a lead, wants to be able to sit on the football. Okay. Let's go to the defense. I have a question for you. Um, okay. Who's the air, who's going to be running the defense for air force? Do they not have a defensive coordinator? They do not. That's interesting. I was double checking. I'm like, is this right? Is this is, what's going on here? What do we got? I'm looking through. I'm like, I'm checking. I know this are the one of the previews I'm looking off now is a few months old when they were being done. I go to the official roster. Their guy did last year went to the uh, NFL. So currently, yeah. there's no defensive coordinator on the roster. And Troy Calhoun's an offensive coach. He was an OC in the NFL with the, I think, Bills and Texans, I want to say. Obviously, been Air Force for over a decade now. It might be, it could be Tim Cross. He's the assistant coach, defensive line coach, maybe. There is no, yeah, there is no defensive coordinator for this team. Actually, I think, I mean, unless I'm looking at the wrong, I might be looking at the wrong page. Never mind. I may be looking at an old page. Yeah, I, I did a search. I saw a guy who came up. So I'm like, well, let's double check. I saw when the guy left. I'm on their official page now, and I'm like, well, maybe it's not updated because that happens, but there's no defensive coordinator. So is it just call backyard football, do what you want, call your play, never <laughs> defense? This It's quite interesting. This is, um, unless it's hidden and they're not telling anybody for whatever reason, this is uh, quite odd, right? I mean, yeah, it is. To be kind, yes. <laughs> How big of an impact is this to have no defensive coordinator? Defense wasn't great last year, so... It is odd that D.C. Laxter got plucked to go to the NFL. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of tempted to say that it is a big deal now that I'm realizing it. Because, you know, one of the things that 
they you know really benefit from is a lot of continuity elsewhere on the defensive staff like you know for instance their line coach tim cross is in his fifth year um you know, the secondary coach, John Rudzinski, is in his ninth year. Their inside linebacker coach, Ron Vanderlinden, is in his fifth year. So it helps to be able to at least have position coaches who have been there for a little while. But, yeah, it is a little bit strange that they don't have anybody overseeing it at the moment. And Because maybe there are going to be code coordinators. They're going to make some huge announcement at media day at the end of July. But... <laughs> So let's just go with the defense, because I've never heard of this. Maybe there's probably been some scenario where there's no DC at this point after a guy take a new job. Maybe it's just not announced, but when, what, was there DC, was he gone after uh, spring football? No, January 26th. Here it is. Steve Ross, uh, yeah, going to the Panthers. Before spring football, so no clue. I was trying to see if there was something else. Um, I don't know. There's... um, Let's see. Who he did a co-defense coordinator? Let's see. Who was the co-defensive coordinator with them? Um, I don't know. Oh well, we'll move on because we're going to sound kind of silly. Of just going, we're wondering about this. But so as for the players coming back, um, I guess the biggest thing, like people always say, the running game is what identifies Air Force football. True, but if they're going to be really good or not really good, it's because how it's based on the defense. I think it's easy to, easy to say. Because the running game's always going to be top 15 nationally, maybe better in most years. But if the defense is like 85th or 90th or 125th or 130th, the team's going to struggle. And so I always think if the defense, if the team's going to be good, it depends on the defense. And they do bring back most of their defensive line. They do lose about half the linebacking core. And they bring back most of their secondary. So there's potential for it to be pretty good to help out. But again, without the coaching staff in flux, at least from our knowledge at this point, it's going to be interesting to see how much better they can be. Yeah, and to kind of emphasize your point, one of the things that I think is worth pointing out is that in 2016, you know, run defense was a hallmark of that Air Force, you know, defense. They were they allowed 3.4 yards per carry that year. Do you know what they happened to allow last year? Um, 4.5. 5.93. Wow, almost double. And that was dead last in the conference. Well, hey, that was worse than um, San Jose State. It was. No, that's hard to believe. That's the on a, on a per play basis, yeah. they were about a half yard worse than both San Jose oh. State and UNLV. And Nevada. <laughs> Jeez. Well, Nevada was actually in the top half of the conference, but I mean, I think oh. that that that's a pretty good place to start talking about this defense because, you know, yeah, the the offense has questions on the line and at running back, but. You know, what I think is really going to be the biggest question that makes or breaks whether this team gets to a bowl or, you know, contends for a division title again is how are they going to replace pieces on the front seven? Because they only have they only have five starters coming back. And while it does help to have, you know, at least two guys on the interior who we know can play a little bit, you know, Cody Gessler, Micah Capra are at least two pieces along the defensive line, you know. To me, it's going to be about the guys around them, like who's going to step up, you know, because Jordan Jackson saw like a little bit of playing time last year. You know, he's one option. You know, Mosesef Fita, who, by the way, 320 pound nose guard. Not bad. At at Air Force. Force. Wait, wait, how, wait, how did that, how did he sneak through? What waiver did he get? That's an excellent question. <laughs> that, that's a 
great. Man, okay, keep going, continue. <laughs> but, I, you know, but I think you have to start with, you know, who is going to step up in that rotation? Because I don't think they're necessarily going to lean on one guy in order to do it. But they're going to need those guys to play a little bit of a higher level because I think of the pieces that they have coming back in the linebacking core, I kind of like who they have coming back. Even that, that, even that 210-pound linebacker? <laughs> Which one, Kyle Floyd? Yes. <laughs> or is he going to be safety maybe instead? I mean, he might be like a safety uh, linebacker hybrid it's if just, they need him to be. I don't see why not. It's just kind of a 6'2", 210. I'm like, all right, guy. Well, I mean, he made 60 tackles. He did have an interception. Oh, he was last good. Year's. Yeah, no, he's a good player. It's just kind of the size difference. Like, line, it's just kind of a chuckle sometimes at these height and weight Air Force because of those restrictions. And mm. so I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's probably that hybrid guy. Like, if they're to play 3 3 5, be that kind of what Parker, Parker Baldwin does a bit of Air Force State. We're going to be kind but of a, both. But another guy I'm really interested in seeing how he progresses in his second year as a starter is Lakota Wills. Because, you know, in the spring depth chart, he was actually listed second, you know, behind Malik Dawkins. But I think he can probably carve out a role for himself just because he was one of those rare freshmen to play his way into the defense last year. And he played pretty well. You know, he had an interception. He had six tackles for loss, which second on the team. Yeah. And he's the leading returner as far as tackles for loss is concerned. He did have two sacks and. You know, Air Force has never been a team where they've had, you know, one dominant pass rusher. Like, they've always been a team that's really relied on, you know, kind of a team pass rush. But if he can be the newest version of someone like Alex Hansen, I think that that would be a huge deal for this defense. It would be because, it's like I said before, if their defense does well, that's going to bode well for everything else on this team. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's simple as that. Yeah, they're going to run the ball. We know they're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball well. Just depends if they're really, really, really good or not, which they're probably going to be. They're going to be really good regardless. It doesn't matter, even with my skepticism a bit at the offensive line. But if the defense can be, like you said, what did they go last year in yards per play running the a defense? Was it 5.9? 5. 5. 5.9, yeah. So let me see. What was. I don't, I don't have the yards per play in front of me. What was uh, eighth place yards per play last year? Do you have that? I do. It was 5.13, so and that was they, Colorado State. So if they can get about that. Get about almost a full yard better, point eight, point seventy five percent better, or not seventy five percent better, but um, point seven five. Like with it, at worst, be better than half yard to carry allowed. That's gonna be a pretty big deal. Like if they can get in that Colorado State range, like eight, ninth, seventh in that area, this could be huge because half a yard. That's it doesn't doesn't seem like a lot, but if every play is half a yard, that adds up throughout the game. Yeah, I mean, I think. You know, they almost have to improve a little bit defending the run just by natural regression to the mean. And and it's not even saying that they have to regain all of their gains from, you know, from 2016. Like you said, it's just a matter of being a little bit better because if they can do that, you know, there are some very interesting pieces in the secondary that could make a difference as well. All right. So what? Um, anything else on defense secondary we need to mention all, I guess, a little bit? I mean, I think one thing that'll help is if they can create a few more turnovers. Yeah, what did, they weren't that great last year. They had a ton of pass breakups. Like jokingly, I, I kind of um, mess around and joke with Kyle Floyd, but he had seven pass breakups. That's pretty big. Mm-hmm. But besides him, there was um, who's returning. There's nobody else really back. Like Marcus Griffin was good last year at that, but not a ton of great talent out there. Besides that, um, I guess uh, Jeremy Fedulum had a handful mm-hmm. of pass breakups, but 
They have a lot of players back in the secondary, but convert those, man. Get a forced fumble recovery. Get an interception. Because they had, did they have, what, four last year? Five picks? That's about it. They had 10 total turnovers as a defense last year. Oh, I'm looking at interceptions. That's why. Five fumble recoveries, five interceptions. That's still not very good. Because did Wyoming have like 40? Yeah. But they're really, really good, though. That's an anomaly. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think getting Garrett Coppola back at safety will also help. Just because, you know, he was a guy, if I remember correctly, he finished fourth on the team, even though he missed more than half the year in tackles. And so, like, looking overall, what they do, like, just, it's, you can go nationally, but what's the point? You go within the conference. They were, part of it, too, they gave up the ball 20 times, which doesn't help. And 14 fumbles lost is typically, that's going to happen in the option offense. You're going to lose the ball occasionally because it's, it's a timing thing to pitch it, to hand off, to fake the handoff. You're, the ball's going in four different directions before it gets to the final guy. But getting, like, being minus 10, that's not good. They're mi- almost minus one for the year. Be zero like be net that zero like it nothing no gain no loss that would help quite a bit however what would help even more if they were still to be at a say like a zero turnover margin but have more turnovers on the right and not giving up like okay if they get 15 picks or 15 turnovers forced you still don't want to give them the ball 15 times like what they did last year or 20 times excuse me so like you don't want to be 20 and 20 that's still great you're zero but you're giving it up way too many times so it's kind of a double-edged thing you want to have more Obviously, more takeaways and giveaways. That's basic, but you want to. I, you know, what I'm getting at. I'm just kind of like you want to be better, but you want to be better on the defensive side. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean. I mean, <laughs> I think that there there are two things that I think are going to be really integral to however well Air Force does this year. One of the things, which is actually something they've struggled with the last few years, is you know, for anybody who's familiar with football study hall, there's their explosiveness metric. In the last three years on defense, they've been 128th, they've been uh, 124, and last year they were 130th as far as allowing explosive plays. Put it another way, they were dead last in the conference last year in 30-yard plays or more, or, or plays of 30 yards or more. You know, once again, more than San Jose State, more than Hawaii, more than New Mexico. And they gave up 17 plays of more than 40 yards. So if they can improve upon that even a little bit. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying. That's not good at all. So that's one thing that they've really kind of struggled to get a handle on the last few years. So that's one thing if they can improve that even a little bit, even just to the middle of the pack, would make a substantial difference. The other thing is getting back at least a little bit of what they lost last year as far as havoc rate, which, you know, if you're not familiar, it's essentially – however many plays where you get a tackle for loss, a pass defended or, you know, a forced fumble or something like that. Last year, they were 121st in the country overall. And, you know, the year before that they were in the top, they were right around the top 30. They were 34th in the country in 2016. So even if you can split the difference between those two figures, that's going to make a huge impact. But somebody, or probably more accurately, some buddies are going to have to figure out how to make those contributions, whether it's, you know, someone like Wills, whether Capper takes a step forward, you know, whether Kyle Floyd can, you know, be a disruptive force both against the run and the pass. But either way, they're going to have to find some answers on both of those fronts. Do you expect, because I'm not seeing here with, obviously, the coach thing, maybe we know nothing of what's going on, but with them losing 
a few players here and there. I know it's hard to say they can't be worse, but can they really be better? I think they can be. The question is, how much better? And I think that's the difference between winning four games and winning six or seven games. Yeah, I think, like, the defense of the conference isn't great. Because I'm looking at total yards per play, not the rushing version. Like, 6 through 12, I gave up over 6 yards per play. And Air Force is dead last at 6-8-1. Yards per game allowed is deceiving because they can chew the clock. And so that's why you'd rather go, obviously, yards per play than, like, total yards or even yards per game. But... I don't know how much better they'll be. I guess they could be a little bit better because the secondary is pretty good. Like, they have most of the defense coming back. Like, they have a lot of most of their players except for, what, they're losing, like, what, four guys maybe, I think? Just like I said, they have they have five starters coming back, yeah. but they have guys who played last year who are stepping into starting roles. Like, both of their inside linebackers, Kyle Johnson and Brody Bagnall, both those guys played – you know, in a handful of games last year. Let me ask you this. On the yard, I know it's kind of pretty scary here, but on the yards per play basis, will they be better than Hawaii on defense? Y- yes. Um, CSU? No. UNLV? I think they'll probably be in the same neighborhood. What about San Jose State? Yes. Better than New Mexico? Same thing as UNLV. I think they're going to be right around the same area. So it's probably putting them between 9 and 12, right? But even that would represent a huge difference. That would be because if they go to just ninth on yards per play, that's just 0.6 yards, essentially. Just over half, more, slightly more than half a yard better per play. And that would go from 12 to 9. Mm-hmm. And if you have half a yard in 700 plays, what's that, 350 yards? Is my math right on that? Yeah, I think so. So that's a full game's worth of yards there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that could do something. So um, is there any special teams players we need to be aware of? Because I always skip over special teams because I think they're – I just forget them because they're not special to me. I don't know. Well, they are having to replace Luke Strabel at kicker, which is maybe something to keep an eye on because he was always fairly reliable for them. You know, Matthew Felici, apparently he did make his only field goal attempt last year. Good, good on you. So, so, you know, that's a positive. But it remains to be seen how much he'll be able to contribute. It was a 40-yarder, so give him credit for that. 40-plus. not bad at all. And you overlooking his two extra points he made. Exactly. So, um, we'll see. They do, losing Tim McVay is a big deal as well, I think. Even though he had only 20 returns, he can, mm-hmm. like, yeah, he only 18 yards per attempt. But he was a guy who could seem like he could make something happen. So, it's, we'll see. That's. He wasn't like as good as guys like Javon Washington or Rashard Penny last year from San Diego State, or even uh, wasn't AJ Richardson returner for Boise last year? I think at times. Uh, I think Avery Williams was the guy Avery, who returned. Okay, yeah, that's right. Kicks, Avery, yeah. Avery Williams, that's right. So they're not going to have a guy like that, but McVay was the guy who would be a threat back there mm-hmm. because of what he could do offensively. So that's uh, a little bit concerning. Punt return. They do have Ronald Cleveland. Maybe he'll do both, kick and punt, but it's just okay. Yeah. All right. So let's take a uh, take a quick break here, quick timeout to look over the schedule because I need to see who they play upcoming, and we'll be back in a minute. All right. You ready for schedule talk, Matt? Let's do it. So as I mentioned before, I briefly discussed they play Stony Brook. Is that a hundred percent gimme for them for this team? I mean, I think so. Um, if you haven't gone and looked at the uh, the first look that I wrote for the, that particular game, go ahead and check that out on our website, mwwire.com. Yes. 
Um, and it, I was thinking, you know, because I, I kept making the joke last year that Stony Brook won 10 games and almost beat South Florida, you know? Oh, yes, that, that but, South Florida. Wasn't that the best victory they had last year? South Florida it, over? It might have been the second best victory they had last year. <laughs> I, that was the joke I kept making. But then I, I went and I looked at their numbers, and I think that maybe they got a little bit lucky to win 10 games last year. And so it's not to say that they're a bad team. I think they'll be a competent team. I think they'll be able to maybe move the ball a little bit against Air Force. But I do expect the Falcons to win pretty comfortably when all is said and done. Yeah, this would be fun. I just kind of brought that up because if you look at the S&P Plus win projection, it's only like 70%. It might be a that might be a little low in my 70, opinion. Seventy five percent. So yeah, here's the big game. Like their schedule, like I said, it's it's pretty brutal early on because there's no breaks really, and they play pretty good teams conference play early on. Like they don't they don't get a breather. Like I don't know. We'll just go through right now. Florida Atlantic. You know that Lane Kiffin team who that massive. Two, what is this buyout? Two million dollars. People are freaking out about because it was two million dollars. Isn't that what it was? <laughs> I just remember he signed a 10-year extension that it wasn't actually a 10-year extension or never, something like that. They never are. Every college coach is year-to-year, right, head coach? Yeah. I don't care that's, what you say. That's fair to it's say. It's year-to-year. <laughs> doesn't matter. Look at Jim McElwain and CSU. Huge buyout, year-to-year. Didn't matter. He went to Florida. So what do we know about FAU? We know they have Lane Kiffin. He had a great year last year. Um, he's great on Twitter. They went 11-3 last year. Um projected to do not quite as good last as last year nine and three um here's the thing they have a new offensive coordinator in kendall bryles who is good at football coaching we'll leave it at that right wait no it's actually charlie weiss jr oh no wait kendall bryles left jr right did he leave somewhere to go somewhere else uh yeah i don't remember where oh, off the top of my head never mind oh this is even better because we can make charlie weiss jokes all year right at least for two weeks <laughs> <laughs> So where was Charlie Weiss before? He was um, okay. Pete, do people know who Charlie Weiss, I guess, senior is now? Are people aware of him? People are aware of Charlie. Is Weiss he still getting paid yes. by Kansas and/or Notre Dame? That would not surprise me. <laughs> He's getting paid. He was the highest-paid coach for each school for no, not coaching either. But they lose him. Sorry, but they had bringing Charlie Weiss Jr. to be the OC. Like their offense is really good last year. Like if you like advanced numbers, which you probably should at some level. They were a top 15 team last year in the country. They were really good. Like, they were offense great, defense just okay, about average, above average nationally. So, this team, like, can Air Force stop this attack at all? I know they lose, they're losing, like, Jason Driscoll's gone, but they do have, like, they're starting running back, Devin Singletary, nearly 2,000 yards. They bring in a wide receiver transfer from West Virginia and Javon, uh, Jovan Durante, Durante. A couple receivers are back from last year. They have an experienced offensive line back despite losing a couple guys. So, is Air Force have a chance? It's a road game as well, which you might add, at Boca Raton. I mean, I think it's going to depend a lot on how they stop Singletary because he's going to be a really good test of, you know, how much better that defense is going to be because, you know, you mentioned the touchdowns. But he averaged, what, over six yards a carry last year, near six and a half, six and a half yards per carry. It's pretty good, yeah. Like that could that could easily be a, a nightmare matchup for this Falcons front seven, but even more so, you know, depending on who they select at quarterback, they do have a couple of options. Like Chris Robeson's a sophomore; I think he transferred from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you watched Last Chance U at all, 
Florida Atlantic was the landing spot for DeAndre Johnson. And both of those guys are expected to kind of battle throughout the fall for the quarterback position. And especially if Johnson is the guy who emerges from that, you know, competition, you know, he adds a different element to that offense than they had last year. Because if you have a, a quarterback who can run as well as one of the more talented running backs in the group of five, you know, they do have a, you know, two of their top three receivers coming back from last year. They're missing their home run hitter, Caleb Woods, but they have Willie Wright and Harrison Bryant coming back. Both of those guys are solid, but that may not matter if you can't stop Singletary. And oh, by the way, I'm pretty sure they have everybody coming back from their defense as well. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, so here's the one, the one good thing about this for Air Force. Their offense is a big, huge neutralizer. It's like, I don't care who they play. When they play in Oklahoma, playing Michigan, playing really good teams, they will give really good teams a scare for about a half a game. Maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. But there's a good a handful of drives where the other team's offense is just chilling on the sidelines they can't do a thing because they're eating away yards. Also, they play at Oklahoma for Atlantic the week prior. So they open up at Norman, come back home to place Air Force, which is an offense they... Who knows how much they're preparing for. We're not going to do a deep dive preview, but the 89% wooden probability for Florida Atlantic seems a bit high just because we act factor in these other issues. Not issues, but other surrounding situations. It's a home opener, so that's a big boost for them. But it's after Oklahoma. Can they beat Oklahoma? Probably not, but they'll probably give them a game, I think. And then they go, oh, crap, we're playing this triple option or run option attack that'll play five fullbacks at lunch or something. <laughs> I'm going to say a loss, but I think it's going to be close to what's projected, but I don't think it's going to be really that close. It'll be, I think, one thing where Florida Atlantic might just kind of pull away in the end of the game. I don't have a really good feeling about this game if I'm a Falcons fan. So you think like a blowout, perhaps, at this point of the year in July? I'm thinking this is the kind of game where Florida Atlantic pulls away like early in the second half and basically keeps Air Force at bay. Because Air Force can't come back if they're down three touchdowns. Yeah. Okay. I guess the only way it could be is if their passing game kind of steps up and does do what they did against the Navy last year. But we'll see. All right, so that's a loss for me. So they go to Utah State. Again, the schedule is pretty tough. They go to Utah State, then they go to Nevada. Or excuse me, host Nevada, then they host Navy. Like, Utah State, I think it's more of a toss-up game, toss game they're giving credit for. But maybe I'm in the wrong because we saw the new odds today. Utah State's third, what, they fourth in line to win the conference. At seven to one, is that was that where they're at? I believe. Uh, yeah, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but I'm pretty yeah, sure that's what it was. Vegas sports book. What was it here? Um, yeah, for, which is fourth in line behind say, Boise, San Diego State, Fresno, Utah State, seven to one, which are really good odds. But then you consider Boise's one to two, Aztecs are three to five, <laughs> and then Fresno's a distance five to one. I am surprised. Really quick sidetrack. Are you surprised Fresno's a more distance to second, or that they're closer to Utah State? What's more surprising? I mean, I, I, I mean, it's. I guess I should say it's most surprising that there are teams that are like better than one to one to win the conference. Yeah, more than strikes, one. This strikes me as a little bit odd because I feel like the race in the West should be a little bit closer than that. Okay, I feel the value I mean, should be a lot higher than fifty to one too. So, but I mean, I can't complain with five to one. I mean, if they want to give me those odds, I'll take them. I would too. Like, if I'm picking, if you give me two options on here, Fresno probably would be the safest bet. To win and have decent odds at five to one. However, if I'm if you're a gambling man, if you're going to go spend some money, I'd put 50 to, one, fifty to one on Nevada. 
Yeah. I'm just saying, that offense, whew. But let's get back to our game here. Utah State, um, I mean, but again, am I too hard on Utah State? Because I seem to be reading everything else, either experts or beat writers or the odds makers coming out. I do have them in 9-3, so maybe I'm not too high. Maybe I'm just being weird because I'm so conflicted with the past two years of Aggie football. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's a fair argument. We, you know, we talked in their podcast about the need to just be a little more consistent on offense. And, you know, I feel like I, well, we already talked about this game on that podcast. Yeah. I have this one as an Aggie's win already. Me too. You know, to me, the question is, you know, can Air Force slow down the running game and make Utah State one-dimensional? Yeah, that's a thing, too. Either probably want to force them to run the ball, right, Utah State? Mm-hmm. So, I, I, it's a loss. I, it's up in Logan. There, plus, there wasn't the last year game controversy of how to end it, like past interference calls, or was that two years ago? No, I think you're probably thinking of the New Mexico game from two years ago. There's a lot of games with issues like that. Utah State had a lot of one-loss games. But it is offense. it is worth noting, however, that the last three games between these two teams all were within one score. Take the under, folks. Take the points, right? I mean, if I'm <laughs> looking at if I'm looking at history, I'm probably taking the over. Over and the points, right? Yes. Okay. There's your option today in mid July, early July. Next game, they host Nevada, which is a um, 50-50 split. Um. I have we done a, we've done a Nevada preview, right? Am I correct? We have. Okay. Yes. Hmm. I have to. Do I, can, I change, can I go back and retroactively change a pick? <laughs> I'll allow it. I don't know because here, here's the thing. I have Nevada as a victory or as a victory for Air Force. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a smart move on my part because, as we discovered, there's no defensive coordinator for Air Force at the moment. Hmm. I'm going to make a pick. I'm going to do an executive decision and go back and change and give Nevada a victory, which puts him at 8-4 and, and much closer to what I think they really could do. So, And it's going to be a loss for Air Force because this is this could be similar to that Florida Atlanta game, Matt, because Nevada's offense, if it's what we expect it to be, is going to score a ton of points this year. Yeah, like I said, we talked about this game as well. I have this one as a Wolfpack win. You know, I just don't know if Air Force is going to have enough to slow down that offense. I don't either. I, I, I don't know why I picked it that way before, but I think Nevada could like smoke them. I mean, I think it'll be competitive because Nevada's just because, defense is bad. Well, I mean, it, it remains to be seen how much better that defense will be. Oh, the diplomatic person here. <laughs> but let's not forget that air force won this game last year too. They did on, on the road. Well, was this a first half game or second half game last year? I think it was a pretty back and forth game. No, I, I, I mean like the first half of the year, second half of the year. I off the top of my head, I don't remember. Okay, well, because if it's second half of the year, they are playing really good. So I think I'm going to mm-hmm. bet early on. So, but look, but the schedule is brutal. Like I'm going through my win loss as we're going through here. I have multiple long losing streaks here because they they host Navy, which I don't think they'll beat Navy. I know it's at home, and last year's game was amazing in the rain. They were the eight straight touchdowns in the second half. Each team was going back and forth. I I just don't see – I know Navy's not going to be as good as they were last year, but I think Navy had just has too much. I'm just not liking the Air Force defense, and not just because the defensive coordinator thing, that is a concern, but their offense, it's still like, who's going to run the ball? I know it's going to be somebody. We kind of have an idea, but Navy's basically outplayed Air Force the past couple of times they've been playing them. 
Well, I mean, let's not forget, Navy survived Air Force last year. True. That, that they, was one of the better games of the year last year. Oh, yeah, not just in the conference, but overall, anywhere. It was, um, I don't remember what it was. It was like 45-42. And Air it was 48-45. And then Air Force. And, and Navy had to make a fourth down stand in their own territory to win. That's right. I, I get that, but I just mean, the first half, they're up by 17 points, weren't they? Because then Air Force had to make... I think what it was, a I should have the box score in front of me, but I think they scored at the end of the first half and then scored on the first possession, but it wasn't quite enough. I think that's what, isn't that kind of how it turned out? Because I think each team scored like on every possession. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I don't, I don't have that information. I just remember lots of points and going back and forth playing this game. But regardless, I still, I still going with Navy because Navy's done quite well against this team. So I'm going Navy to win. I actually have this one as an Air Force win. Ooh, why is that? I mean, when you look at what Navy has coming back, they're actually very similar. Like, they have a lot of similar questions to um, to the Falcons. You know, I think it's fair to say that maybe they have a quarterback that's a little bit better in Malcolm Perry, um, which, by the way, is forcing their former quarterback, Zach Eby, to move to wide receiver oh, just, to get on the, just to get on the field. All right, then. Um, the one wide out Navy has, right? Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> just say but you know they're also replacing a lot of rushing production elsewhere on the offense like they do have their fullback anthony gargiulio i think i pronounced that right sounds good you know he's coming back but you know beyond him he's the only other guy on the offense who ran for more than 400 yards last year and so while they have options in the same way that the falcons have options it remains to be seen who's going to carry that particular workload and, you know, they're replacing three starters on their own offensive line. They do have both their tackles coming back, which is a positive, but, you know, maybe not in a way that it would be for other teams. And, you know, they're replacing a lot on defense as well. Like they do have a couple people up front on the defensive line. They have one linebacker and one person in the secondary. That's about it. Hmm. So maybe I'm thinking you might be changing thinking, my mind here. Maybe you are. I'm thinking this is probably going to be an offense-friendly game. But I do kind of like Air Force's hopes of kind of turning last year's bad luck around. Because they won the year before 28-14 at home. Hmm. So you're going victory. You make some good points here. I think my judgment's been clouded. I'm going to agree with you and go victory for Air Force. Give them, a, give them an extra win here. Because they're not getting many this year from me. So. <laughs> All right. At San Diego State... Loss, right? We can move along with that. I think it's going to be a close loss. I'll say that much. Because they hold the ball forever? It just always seems like Air Force plays San Diego State really tough. Possibly. They sort of do, right? When's the last time they beaten San Diego State? I know they played in the conference title game a couple years ago as well. Was that their closest game against these two teams? I'm trying to look that up real quick. Okay, um, I got it right here. Yeah. Oh, I got it right here. Last okay. last time, I'll, I'll let you have a guess here. Air Force at one point won three in a row versus San Diego State. Um, what's the last year they've won? Do you have any idea? It is a mountain. It's in the Mountain West. Just say no during that time frame. It'd be like uh, 20, 2010? Close. 2009. Okay. They've not won since 2009. So what? Two, three, four, five. Seven-game losing streak, including the conference title game. That was at San Diego. 
And they played every year but 2016 in the conference due to the uh, scheduling going to 12 teams. But before that series, like, I know San Diego State's been pretty bad before that, but going back to, like, 97, the past, like, 20-plus years, it's about even because Air Force won eight games from 97 to 2009. But that seven-game winning streak has skewed this series quite a bit. So Aztecs have won. They've been close. You're right, 28-24 last year, uh, 27-24 title game. Their biggest, the biggest difference was a 16-point game in 2014 and a 19-point game in 2012. And so they've been sort of close, 27-25 in 2010. But past two years have been really close, one possession games. But I, I still think Aztecs are going to be – it's gonna, and maybe it'll be like that Fresno game a couple years ago where it's like low scoring and they win by like by 10 points, but it's not even close. That sounds about right. And look at the schedule. Like, look what we're going through. Look, I'm telling you, Stony Brook, whatever, Florida Atlantic, tough, East State, Nevada, Navy, San Diego State, at UNLV. They are not a favorite at UNLV. Is that that's pretty surprising to me? Is that they're a underdog at the road to the Rebels at Sam Boyd Stadium? I mean, yes and no, because you know UNLV. We haven't talked about them yet on the podcast, but you know, there's still a little bit of prove it on both sides of the ball. True. With the when it comes to the Rebels, and. You know, I think that this was one of the instances last year where you saw when the offense is on for Air Force, you know, they can pick off a, a decent team on the road. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, as I have it listed here, if Air Force does it again. And I think they could go on the road and beat UNLV. And I think they will. Ooh, you think they will? I think they will. I am not going to go that far. I, I think um, UNLV has enough offense for Marty Rogers and everybody coming back at the running game is going to be one of the best in the league. But that's why I'm going. Air Force is not going to win that game. They're losing to the Rebels. All right. Um, let's change that. That's, sorry, I'm fixing my schedule as we go here. They go to Boise State. As I mentioned, I'm doing a – it's probably out by the time you hear this, but kind of ranking every game every week. I put Boise State Air Force just because – Boise State and Air Force typically are wild games for the most part. It's going to be a Boise victory. It's at home, but maybe Boise's gotten around the edge because they've had the same DC for a while. Uh, but I don't see Boise doing what they've done, stumbling the past couple of years against the Air Force team. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I don't think it's going to be quite as much of a blowout as it was last year. Yeah, that's an anomaly. But I don't know if the Falcons have enough to be able to keep that offense off the field, or at least to keep that offense out of the end zone yeah, as much as they would want to. Did you know the series is 3-3 three to three since it, all time against these, between these two teams? Interesting. Um, last year was 44-19 for Boise, who snapped a three-game losing streak to the Falcons. Apparently, Air Force is the only Mountain West team against which Boise does not have a winning record. Even San Diego State? The Air Force is the only one. What's San Diego State's record versus Boise State? But apparently they've lost more than they've won. Where are you getting this information from? Phil Steele. Oh, the venerable Phil Steele, because he does better research than pretty much anybody else say. Um, yes, sir. You're right, because Boise State is a 3-2 three, three and two versus San Diego State. All right, then. That's, I wasn't questioning I wasn't saying it's incorrect, but I was just curious. Oh yeah, because I was thinking Aztecs won a couple times. So, so is this the arrival we need to write about then? <laughs> These two teams. <laughs> it might be more like the thorn. I don't know if they're rivals per se, but they're definitely a thorn in Boise's side. 
I yeah, I predict Boise win, but you're right. I don't think it'll be what last year was. Mm-hmm. And so, even though Boise's losing guys like Vanderash and Cedric Willis on offense, Air Force will probably mess around, hang around this game for a bit. It's like they do, like I said before. Any good team they play, they 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 play well for a while. And the reason they've won some of those games before because turnovers, and that's something they're not very good at. At least not last year, they're great at. So if maybe if they can do what they did a couple years ago, get a couple turnovers and score points, maybe. But I don't think they're going to win. It's going to be a loss for them for Boise. Or excuse me for. Oh, excuse me, Air Force there. Mm. Did he go to Army on the road to Commander Chief Trophy is on the line, possibly? Possibly. Army's much better than they used to be. They used to be pretty terrible. They're actually really pretty good now. So they've done a complete change over the past couple years, I would say. Yeah, they won uh, 10 what? games last year, eight games the year before that. They're a, I mean, they're a very good team. And they run. what we'll know about this game, too, sorry. They'll run the ball... More than Air Force, right? <laughs> Which is hard to say. They will run the ball more than Air Force. I'll guarantee it. I'm trying to see how many times they ran the ball last year. Once you look how many times they threw the ball, which is much less. <laughs> That's very true. I mean, it's not going to help that they're having to replace Ahmad Bradshaw. Sure, quarterback. But, you know, they have the opposite problem that Air Force has. And that, like, literally everybody who carried the football last year is coming back besides Bradshaw. The guy who actually hands the ball off to everybody. Yeah, you know, Darnell Woodfork, Wood, oh, excuse me, Wolfolk is coming back. He had 800 yards last year, over five yards per carry. Kel Walker, 19, wait, no, not, excuse me, six touchdowns on 86 attempts. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. No. Over seven seven yards per carry. So, you know, that's a, that's a plus. And even though they haven't replaced a couple of key guys on defense, like Alex Aukerman's going to be, I think, a pretty significant loss. I think they have seven or eight guys coming back on that defense. So, you know, more so than the Navy game, I think this is going to be the game that Air Force is going to have a hard time winning. It will be tough. I will say this, like Bradshaw had 1,700 yards last year, 14 touchdowns. Yeah. And, oh, remember, this Army team beat San Diego State last year in the bowl game, mm-hmm. which shocked um, everybody who's not associated with the Army blocking that football program, right? Yeah. I... Here's the thing. Yes, they bring everybody running the ball back, but Bradshaw had double the yards over Wolfolk. Or, yeah, Wolfolk. And just as many touchdowns as him. So where are they going to get 1,700 yards from? Well, I mean, even if they don't get it from their new quarterback, whoever it is, whether it's Kevin Hopkins or Cam Thomas, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't necessarily think it's going to be that huge of a deal just because they had three other guys who had somewhere between 600 and 800 yards. All right, I'm going with the loss here because it's on the road and Air Army's just getting better and better each year. So I'm going loss for Air Force. All right. New Mexico at home. Um, we already did this game. I put a victory for um, New Mex- or Air Force. So first off, go back and listen to our opening podcast on the Lobos. But this is a game where this is one of the more fun games to watch all year because of way uh, New Mexico's offense will change a little bit. But the way they run the ball, the pistol, the diamond formation – and then countering that with the Air Force, what they do, some similar things. This game also be about two hours and four minutes, so pay attention to that. <laughs> Take your bathroom breaks and pause strategically through the game, but this will be, I could see like 60 points in this game combined easily. This is your annual reminder that when this game comes up on the schedule, take the over. Always take the over, yes. Always take the over. And right now it's about a 50-50 split um, for this game. And yeah, take, like if even the over is 84 points, take the over, right? 
Yes. Because that's what happened. So you, you, I assume you predict the Air Force victory as well. Going back to our last yeah, podcast. like I said, we talked about we talked about this one a little bit during our New Mexico podcast. I do have this one as a Falcons win. Then they go to Wyoming, which is not a rival game, despite it being almost a border war. <laughs> almost. It feels like it should be, but it's not. Does Air Force have a rival in the conference? They do have CSU. They do have the Ram Falcon Trophy. Oh, that's right. I always forget one of those. Um, but that doesn't seem like a rivalry, does it? I mean, it is an in-state rivalry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess if your argument's in-state, that's we got to go by that. Uh, Ram Falcon Trophy's pretty cool. It's just not, doesn't seem a prestige factor compared to other ones within the league. It's it's a solid trophy, but it's no it's no cannon. It's no rifle. It's no bronze Hawa- boot. Or Hawaiian Cowboy. Yes. So I'm going lost because even despite the offense being what it is for Air Force, well, I'm defense is going to shut it down, I think. Even though, didn't Air Force beat them two years ago? Or was it last they, year? No, they beat them in 2015. Oh, jeez, never mind. My, my, I'm out of here. I'm not talking about this anymore. But that's, the, but that's the only time in the last five years that the Falcons have won this game. Wasn't like, was that Brian Hill's year where he just played terrible or something, I believe? That might have been, yeah. We'll go, I'll go with that. Um, let's, move, let's move on. The final game of the year. Um, they are taking Colorado State. So I guess this is the Rams. Hey. Hey, good job. Final game is a trophy game, right? Rival game mm-hmm. in the season. Um, it's almost a 50, it's almost a 50-50 game. I know I'm a little more down on CSU than most are, at least compared to you, but I don't see how Air Force can win this game either. Because at this point in the year, I know it's projecting way out there, so it's kind of hard. It's kind of weird to say, oh, we're going to accurately pick week 13 of, these, of the season. But I think the Rams have uh, enough more on offense to do something, to get something done. Whether it's a uh, Carter Samuels is still the guy. They have a trio of running backs who can do do good stuff. They have Obasai Johns who can catch the ball down the field. Defense probably just okay, but I just think Air Force. It's I'm going three wins to Air Force all year, and I'm not liking it. Three and nine for the Falcons. Jeez, man, that's brutal. I mean, I think maybe it is worth noting that they have dropped forty nine and forty five points on the Rams the last couple of years. That is a good. That's a great note there. But at the same time, you know, like you mentioned, like we we talked about Colorado State. But wait, hold on. Wait, they lost both those two, though, right? Air Force. They did. Okay. No, 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 no. They won both of those games. Oh, never mind. I, I thought that. Okay. Okay. So well, they they've taken the Rams kind of by surprise the last couple of years, and you know, I I think we talked about it on their podcast, but you know, I'm a little more optimistic on the Rams' chances to be competitive in the Mountain Division this year. And I'm not expecting a huge drop-off on offense. And I think this is probably the year where they do get that breakthrough and do manage to keep the Falcons at bay. So I do have this one as a Colorado State win. All right. So what's your record for Air Force? Uh, my final record is 4-8, and 2-6 and six in the conference. I have their only conference victory versus Mexico at home. Because you, you have them winning at UNLV, correct? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. I could see that, but I think Armani Rogers is going to take a next step, and they have enough running attacks. So, man, is that are we really that down? It's three and nine, four and eight. Is this really a losing season again for um, good old coach there in um, Colorado Springs? Troy Calhoun. I mean, I mean, again, I mean, can I, I mean, at first glance, it kind of looks like it. But, I mean, at the same time, with the way that this offense operates and if the defense comes together a little better than I think either of us expect. You know, it wouldn't surprise me to see them challenging for the Mountain Division title again. That's true. 
Also, it's just they. Have, it's just you know the mountain is kind of like a slog fest week in and week out. So you know going to you know San Diego State, going to Wyoming, you know going to Army, <laughs> you know get, go, all those road games. None of those are very easy road games. And while it helps to have you know Boise State, Colorado State at home, you know maybe if there's one thing that we can keep an eye on when it comes to this team and their bowl hopes or their division title hopes. Yeah, in the three years before last year, they were six and zero, six and zero, five and one at home. Last year, they were only three and three. Hmm. So maybe if they can get back to that, you know, they can surprise us, in you know, an unsurprising way yet again. Like if you look at their home schedule, the only game that I'm like saying like they're going to lose for sure is probably just the Boise State game. They could go five and one at home this year. I mean, they definitely could. I yeah. mean, because what I was looking at something else, but you bring that up. Like, if you look at the toss-up games, like I'll say toss-ups between forty and sixty percent win mm-hmm. probability. Yeah, I guess I'll include Stony Brook. We have one, two, three, four, five, six games that fit within that forty to sixty percent range. Yeah, Navy and UNLV are forty percent even, but that's a ten percent either way. That that six wins if they can win those toss-up games, essentially. Yeah, it's it's difficult. But it's not impossible. Yeah, that, that's a great way to put it. I'd, so I'm like, I'm like, really three wins? Can I squeeze another one out there? Like, I honestly, I could see them beating maybe Nevada because I think that's a possibility. Small, but I could see them also beating like UNLV, Army, and maybe CSU. So I could see them getting the six wins. It's just like that's the road schedule and their bye comes in week three. Mm-hmm. So if their bye was, say, before Navy or after Navy, like midseason, that would be a big help, but. It's not, so nothing you can do about it, right? I, I mean, I guess not. I mean, I, I guess I should say that like, even if they do finish with three or four wins, I don't think that that's necessarily like cause for firing Troy Calhoun or anything like that. Because if this year is kind of reloading for 2019, they do have a lot of really interesting pieces coming back for next year as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if this year is, you know... M- more the same, more the kind of inconsistent growth on both sides of the ball. You know, I don't think it's necessarily going to be the end of the world, but you know, if they can improve in those ways that we talked about earlier, just, you know, having a little more explosiveness on offense, allowing a little bit less on defense, you know, forcing a few more turnovers and avoiding turnovers, you know, with this program, you never know. That's true. You don't know because, like I said, they slide in guys who have been sitting on the bench for two years but already had a year of play at the JV team. So it's like there's reason they play. They're experienced. They know what they're doing. They, as offense works on precision. That's the only thing with new guys. It's the same system all throughout, but it's still plugging in new guys who haven't played this level before. Mm-hmm. And typically they do fine. Like you said, like if they go 6-6, six and six, I'm not going to say they have a chance to win the Mountain Division. I'm not as bullish like you are. But I think if they get to a bowl game, that wouldn't overly surprise me. I'd agree with that. All right, so here's what we're doing from here on out. We're going to do two shows in the next couple weeks because we missed a week because I moved during summer, which sucks, if you're wondering. It's terrible. <laughs> Moving during summertime. But I get, actually, any time is pretty terrible. So are, you, you mentioned before the show, Matt, what are the next three teams we're doing? We're going to do some order of Hawaii, San Jose State, UNLV. Is that right? Yeah, that it is. And then wrap up with the three favorites? Yes. So check our podcast feed over at Blog Talk Radio. 
dot com backslash m or I don't just go to Mount West Wire search the podcast. I forget a URL for a moment. Mount West Wire, sorry. We have a few different uh, um, iterations, right? So I can stumble around. But if you yeah. search Mount West Wire, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Last FM, I think, um, tune in. Basically anywhere you get your podcast. I prefer Pocket Cast because it's awesome. So what's your? Well, I, forget, I know I've asked you this before. What do you use, Matt? Do you use Stitcher? I believe is that correct? No, I use Pocket Cast. Oh, good, excellent. Or let's not forget. If you prefer your podcasts without ads, oh, yeah. you can give a dollar per month over at our Patreon page at MWC Wire. Yes, that's right. And, <laughs> and get these podcasts for, you know. Early and without ads. That's always nice. Yes. We don't stick a ton of, ad, a ton of ads here. Anyways, we stick like maybe, what, two minutes maybe, I think, front and back in the middle spot. So mm-hmm. if you, you don't worry about that. If you want to get it also early, there's a specific RSS feed on there. And also at this moment... Um, you can get our top 50 countdown a few days early as well. And something I've been for the dollar feature. And so I've been toying around a bit on this. Um, if you want, if you don't like ads, because those are not always fun, even though they give us money for writing on the website. If you want our stuff without any ads, I will post that. All the stuff gets posted on there. And that's the uh, three-door level. And you include all the other stuff too. So, hey, if you want to get stuff that way, go for it. Don't have to worry about weird stuff on the page, because sometimes our ads are annoying too. I'll say it right, Matt, sometimes. Yes. So see, we're not the only ones. We know how it is. We visit other websites besides our own. <laughs> so, but, but but the most important thing, thank you for listening. Give us a, a subscription, however you do your podcast, and uh, give us a review. Tell us if we're great. Five stars, but give us the real feelings, right? That's what we tell you. You can give us the middle finger emoji, but if it's five stars, we're good, right? Exactly. And we will be back um, next time i'm not sure i believe it'll be next uh, um next whatever when is this coming out july uh, what's today because we're going to post this today today is the 8th of july we will actually give a date on this one 8th july the next podcast will be out july 15th so keep up on that feed and maybe since i'm done moving there may possibly be some mini podcasts some team previews i've been saving up or trying to get done so always keep hitting refresh on the feed and we'll see you next time folks